Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Coffee. I am your host, Brooke Carlock, and this is not my brother who was supposed to be here <laughs> because he bailed on me. So uh, David is pinch hitting yet again as my co-host this week. So thank you very much. Yep. Hopping in here at the last minute. Um, yes, my brother decided, well, he was the one that asked me to be on my podcast. And then uh, when I texted him to remind him, he said it's not his thing. <laughs> so yeah, here we are. I'm surprised he wanted to do it. In the he, you know, place. he was the one who asked me and I was shocked, honestly, but man yeah well so much for that no we'll see all right so today we decided that instead of just rambling on about our own grief and lives and all that kind of stuff we were gonna focus on a topic so we thought a good topic this week would be grief because grief happens to be one of the most common not grief you're like god you're an idiot what are you doing I think the whole channel is about grief. Yeah, the whole channel is about grief. We're going to specifically talk about Okay, guilt. let's try that again. We're talking about guilt in grief. <laughs> Were you just looking at me like, what yeah. the hell are you talking Absolutely. about? Yeah. Guilt in grief. Sorry. We're, this is like a... <laughs> the mic's not working. It's yeah. Just, it's, it's, it was a whole oh thing this morning. I was on time again, though. You were on time. You were more on time today. Anyway, we are talking about guilt in grief yes. today because it is one of the most common emotions that people feel when they are grieving. <laughs> and in my opinion, it's one that, at least from the people that I've worked with and talked to, it seems to be one that people get stuck in for a very long time. And it can keep you stuck in your grief journey, I think, longer than you need to be. <laughs> Not that you're ever out of your grief journey, but it, it keeps you stuck from moving forward. So. Oh. All right. I have some notes. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at my notes. So common causes of guilt and grief. I keep wanting to say grief <laughs> instead right. of guilt. I don't know why. So common causes. Um, and I've experienced some of these. So if you've experienced any of these, feel free to jump in. Um, I figured we would share our own experiences. If you have any experiences in with guilt in your grief, feel free to drop them in the comments. We would love to hear what they are. If you have any questions for us, like always, feel free to drop those in the comments as well. And we are happy to answer your questions, whether they are guilt-related or no. <laughs> okay, so the first one is unfinished business. A lot of people feel guilt in their grief because there is something that they didn't get the chance to wrap up with their person. Um, I have not really experienced this one. I don't think you have yeah, really either. I, think, I mean, um, finished businesses. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was, I don't, I don't think it. Yeah, when I think about this one, I think about my brothers um, because two of my brothers were no longer talking to my dad <laughs> when he died. Um, and that was something I was hoping to talk to my brother about if he would have shown up today. Um, and I know that at least one of them feels guilty about that. Um, my dad had a very boisterous personality and was very opinionated. And yeah, you, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain that. But two of my brothers um, decided to disconnect from him and not speak with him anymore. Um, 
And then they didn't have a chance to resolve that before he died. And my one brother, Colin, I don't think it bothers him that much because not he's the one that shoves his feelings down to his toes. I don't think much bothers him. Uh, my other brother, I think it does bother him quite a bit. Um, and, and he has said that to me, that he has guilt that their relationship deteriorated to the point where it did. And now he doesn't, he always thought that he would have a chance to kind of fix it. And if I'm being completely honest, it was a lot of the reason that people kind of stepped away from my dad in his life was because of my stepmom. And I don't know if that sounds mean, but but it's the truth. Um, she was very, very hard to get along with. And I think my one brother in particular was upset because we all kind of had the thought that my stepmom would be gone first. She was an alcoholic and, and was not in great health. And we kind of figured we would have time with my dad. And he had expressed to me like, you know, after she passed away or, you know, whatever happened with her, then he would kind of reconnect with my dad. And then my dad ended up dying before my stepmom. So he never had the chance to do that. And so I know he was upset about that and kind of still feels that guilt to this day. Yeah. Anything to throw in there? No, I think, I think um, you covered it, but yeah, I think your, your dad was a, he was very opinionated. So he had certain ideas of how everybody should live their life. And, and that caused a lot of friction, but um, I think Quinn is a good example of, um, you know, you never know how long you have. And some of the stupid stuff that um, families kind of separate over, you realize at the end of the day, it's it's really just not worth it. Um, especially for when you lose somebody suddenly like that. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't change it then. You, yeah, you can't get that time it, back. It'll eat away at you. Yeah. So the second way that a lot of people feel guilt, and I know we have this kind of in our situation with our son, is survivor's guilt. So you feel guilty that you are still around and your person is not. I know, I mean, we both would trade places with Libby in a heartbeat um, so that she could live the rest of her life, even if we didn't get to. But I think we especially see this with our son, Grayson, um, because he was supposed to be in the seat. He, he I can't talk. He was supposed to be in the car that Max and Libby were in when they were in the accident. Um, and he had taken an extra shift at work. And so he was not in the car. He wasn't going to David's house that night. And he would have been sitting in the seat that Libby was sitting in, um, in that same situation. So, yeah. yeah. I, and, and you know, you, you look at that, I mean, for him, it doesn't necessarily mean that Libby would Libby would have survived either. I mean, she could have very well sat behind Grayson instead of behind Max. So, yeah. you know, had had she sat behind Grayson, they might both be gone. You yeah. know, we almost lost Max, and he was on the other side of the car. So, um, but I think Grayson does struggle with that quite a bit. He won't he he because he's you know bury his feelings or can't admit that he's he's struggling with it. Um, but I definitely think that is a big piece of it for him. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting because, like, I, I we need to go fix up the accident site because it got 
messed up again and he wanted to go over and help me with it so yeah. um certain things he's he's good with but talking about it and and dealing with that is not one of them yeah um a third way that i thought of is just perceived failures like guilt over ways that you think you failed your person or you could have done things better i would say this is probably the one that i feel the most as far as libby is concerned and we can get into that more in detail a little bit um and then another one that i thought of was just breaking promises to someone and then having guilt because you don't have the chance to either you know apologize to that person or you don't you know have the chance to to make things right and you feel guilty about that if you think of any other situations please feel free to drop those in the comments as well we do have one here i'm going to throw up from randy i always felt guilt after being mean towards others who were having fun how can they have fun and enjoy themselves when my two dollars were recently killed by a distracted semi-truck driver oh i'm so sorry randy fortunately i ruined lots of relationships because of my guilt and anger yeah i mean that's a definite <laughs> so Randy, I think what you're saying, you feel guilty because, I mean, you were probably jealous, honestly, of the people who were having a good time and able to enjoy themselves, which is a natural, I mean, that's a perfectly natural feeling. I feel that all the time when I see Libby's friends doing fun things and I see all of her dance teammates getting to dance at their competitions and having fun together. And there is definitely that moment where you are just like, oh, that's it sucks. You're jealous. It's like, how do why do they get to go do this stuff? And my daughter doesn't. So it's totally reasonable that you're feeling that way. But I I assume from your comment, it seems like your guilt is coming from the fact that you have kind of messed up relationships because of that, which I mean, if you have the chance, just apologize to those people. Anyone, I mean, you lost two daughters. I feel like people will understand. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think to be, be gentle with yourself too. Cause I mean, I don't know how, how long ago that happened for you, but, um, you know, in the beginning, that is a lot of what you feel. Um, we went through that as well. You know, the anger of everything, um, just uh, the unfairness of it all. And, you know, for me, the, um, guilt of, you know, my kids shouldn't have been in that car anyway, had I not divorced from Brooke and we weren't living in separate places and they didn't have to come over to my house. I mean, that guilt eats me up as well. But I think, yeah, like Brooke said, uh, I think if you have, okay, 20 years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay to go back and say, sorry, you know, I hope you're not still feeling that way. Um, but you know, if if you have the opportunity to say you're sorry and, you know, just try and get them to understand how you were feeling at that time. It's it's an unimaginable thing when you lose a child and and the way things happened and all the waves that you go through um, anger and you go through all those stages and then you flip back and you do them all over again. And, you know, it's, it is hard. Yeah. So. It's exceedingly hard. Um, so let's talk about why it's, it's not, <laughs> why feeling this guilt is bad for you. And I'm not saying that it's not normal. It is totally normal to feel these feelings. They are a natural part of the grieving process. You know, so if you do feel guilt, please 
don't feel sorry about it. Like the key is just kind of recognizing it and then seeing what you can do to help get past those feelings. So one way is, and I know I'll talk a little bit about my situation with this one because it's the most prominent for me is guilt can keep you stuck in that series of if onlys. If only I had done this, or I should have done that, or I should have done more. Um, and you look back and you you just find a litany of things that you could have done better. And you feel guilty that you didn't. Um, so I know, like David was saying, that's a it's a huge one for both of us, but it's it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> to think that way. But we both had these feelings like, you know, Libby and Max were driving in the car on the way to David's house because it was part of the custody arrangement we had come up with. And it was a Wednesday and they were going to see him on Wednesday night. And yeah, it's so easy to dive into that. Well, if we hadn't gotten divorced, if we could have made things work, whatever, like if, if we, if we wouldn't have done that, then they wouldn't have had to drive to a different house and it never would have happened. And it is so easy to get stuck in that thinking, but it's, it just doesn't help. It doesn't help anything is the biggest deal. So the if onlys, just for my own, I have a couple of these. I have I have this with Libby and I have it with my mom, um, especially the guilt. So the if onlys and should haves, I'll just kind of give you my situation and then tell you a little bit how I help myself through it in the hopes that maybe that will help you if you're feeling this way at all. So our daughter was 10 when she died. And one of the things that I feel super guilty about is that I feel like I didn't play with her enough. I get, I go there and I'm like, oh, I'm, I didn't like, I don't know. Was I just wonder, was I a good enough mom? Like, did I, I didn't go outside with her enough and I didn't color enough and whatever, but it, then I have to stop myself because it's like, you have to be realistic. I mean, I had three kids and was running them all over the place. Like my nights, my, I worked full time all day and then came home and had to run to dance practice and I had to run to soccer practice and I was running all over the place and still trying to like make dinner for everybody and have sit down family dinners. And, you know, then I had to pick Libby up from dance and get her ready for bed and tuck her in. Like I did what I could. And I think a large part of guilt is coming from those on, like you're holding yourself to unrealistic standards. It's like you, you wish that you would have gone back and you would have lived your life like a freaking Hallmark movie. But in reality, like that's not how life works. So, and you did a really good job, honestly, David, of helping me with this because you remind me all the time, like, like Libby loved you. <laughs> like, and he says that to me all the time. Like you were an awesome mom and I have a million like notes from her and videos that she sent me and things where she just you know and she told me every single day like I love you mom you're the best mom ever and for a while it was just like I was overlooking that stuff and just focusing on the negative like I should have done more and I wasn't allowing myself to feel the 
the good things that I did. I just was focusing on the bad. And that is so, it's normal, but it's bad. Like, why? Why did I do that? I, it held me up for a long time. And I think, too, you can look at that. I mean, in any family, you know, you were never um, with any of the kids. You know, honestly, you were just never that play mom. Like, there were just, that just wasn't your thing. Yeah. Uh, it was my thing. I was the one that would play with the kids more than anything. Um, but I think, you know, we've talked about this too, your relationship with Libby and the things that you did with Libby, especially after the divorce, the things that you, you know, you guys did versus the things that she and I did were two very different things. Um, all the connection that you had, you know, your connection with the dance family is way better than mine because you were picking up, dropping off. You were doing the competitions. You were doing the hair, doing the makeup, doing yeah. all that stuff. Those are things that you may look at it as not play necessarily, but those were the things that she loved most. Mm -hmm. And she probably loved that time with you doing yeah. those things. Oh my gosh. All the times that so. I filmed her doing her dances yes. and just helping her like create her dances. And yeah, it, I did plenty of yeah. her. Yeah, I was a good mom. Like, yes. and it took me a, a bit to get to that place where it was just like, calm down. Like, you were a good mom. Yeah. And the other big one, I don't want to take up too much time on just my situation here, but the other big one for me was my my second marriage. When Libby died, I was married to my second husband. That was a very short lived marriage, and it was not a good one. <laughs> um, to put it mildly so we had problems kind of right from the get-go as soon as we all moved in together um and there was a situation so my my second husband liked to have time with me in the evening and i always from the time she was born like tucked libby in at night and we had a routine that we did and we would either read together and i'd always like we sang a billy joel song to each other and we just had this, I, she talked to me all the time about what happened during her day, because that was the time we could really catch up. And then after a little while, after my second husband and I, when we moved in together, after we got married, um, he started to complain about me spending that time with Libby. And I got stuck between like trying to be a good mom and trying to be a good wife. And it got to the point where like, if I was taking too long with Libby, he would get upset and he would come in and like tell me I was taking too long and it was like cutting into like his time <laughs> with me <clears throat> and and I started to cut my time with Libby short because I was trying to save my marriage and I can look back at it now and be like I was trying to be a good wife I was trying to do both and it was not going well <laughs> and then Libby died and I hated myself for cutting that time short. And I can look at it now and realize that I was just trying to be a good wife. Like I was a human. I was trying to save my marriage and make my daughter happy, make my husband happy. And like, and I couldn't do both at the same time. So I had so much guilt about that. And that was really, really hard. And I still honestly do. If I could change anything um, about the time before she died, that would be the thing I would change. I kick myself constantly for cutting my time with her short. But obviously, 
I didn't know she was going to die. Like, how do you, there's no way to know that. I thought I had the rest of her life. Um, I didn't think those couple minutes at night were going to make that big of a deal. But now that she's gone, as soon as she was gone, I would have done anything to get those minutes back. Yeah. And I think they, they don't make that big a deal. I mean, it's, it's not that again, you aren't a great mom and a loving mom and all of those things that you did with her. It's just, again, like you said, you just never know how much time you have and you assume you have the rest of her life. You assume you're going to die before she does. Um, and so you think you can, well, what's this two minutes, five minutes here, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's a tough thing for all of us, I think, especially now I'm speaking specifically for parents that lose a child because it's not natural. You're supposed to have more time. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to have all these life events that you know you're going to you're going to have. Um, and, you know, as soon as you lose a child, you look back and you want to find all of those two minutes that you mm-hmm. wish you would have spent. And that guilt does eat you up at times, you know, but you have to recognize that, you know, at least in our situation, Libby knew how much we loved her. We spent so much time with her um, as much as we could in in most cases. I mean, there's life that happens and we always want those two minutes back. But I hear this a lot from caregivers. From I heard this a lot with my my last video was about feeling relief in grief and the guilt goes hand in hand with that. So so many people reached out and said whether they were a caregiver for like a sick child that had you know disability or whatever or for a parent, which is what I was sharing because I was a caregiver for my mom and just thinking of someone who's a caregiver, you spend so much of your time focused on that other person, but then you somehow still feel guilty afterwards. Like, did I do enough? Did I spend enough time with them? You feel guilty about being resentful. Like I know with my mom, I love my mom, but I, I was exhausted trying to do everything I needed to do to help take care of her and also grieve Libby and be a mom still and be a teacher still and all the things I was trying to do. And I was just burning the candle at both ends and I was exhausted. And if I was, I don't, I think you can't help but be when you're living your life for someone else, like taking care of someone else and you're responsible for them. You can't help but have those thoughts. You're happy to do what you're doing, but it still has a cost to it. Yeah, and I think for you it was harder yet because your mom was so stubborn with her treatment that she refused to do anything local. So her mom had was in the hospital down in Baltimore. So Brooke was driving from Lancaster to Baltimore twice a week, three times yeah. a week sometimes, um, after work, and then getting home late at night, which if you know Brooke, she did. <laughs> It's like don't, I'm not 7 30, 8 o'clock, it's about pumpkin time. I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning for work. I'm just so. saying. So, like, you having to drive down there and not even leave there until, like, 7.30. I know. Yeah. It was, you were absolutely spent. And you talk about the resentment. I mean, 
it happens, I think, a little bit with any of that, especially, I think it was especially hard for you with your mom because she was being so stubborn about the treatment and just, I, I don't think her chances of survival were very good, regardless of what happened. But um, the fact that she made it even harder for you guys to all be able to help her and visit was, I think, something that you felt guilt about as well for the, the resentment that you had for that that she put you through yeah and even knowing all that though the guilt still creeps in there like am i a bad daughter because i was thinking that way am i no and i'm sure if you've taken care of anyone right. you understand i hope <laughs> yeah I how, how that is but you do still feel guilty about it and yeah. and yeah that can hang up your grieving yeah, when I, first, when I first started watching your video on Thursday, um, I was kind of thinking like, uh, you know, I tend to focus so much on, because my, my loss is Libby. Yeah. For you, you've had your, both of your parents, obviously, and everything else. But so when I kind of heard your, like what you were talking about, I was like, well, where is she going to go with this? I totally forgot about your mom and, <laughs> and all of that. For, I apologize. But I thought <laughs> okay. that, I thought the discussion was really, it was a good discussion and something that, that, and that's kind of what led me to, you know, suggesting guilt for this conversation, because um, I think that's another piece of it that is so important. And and we've seen, you know, through comments and whatever else, um, people that have lost. Um, I know one of the comments was um, with a, a, a son that was having substance abuse problems mm -hmm. and. And the oh, guilt the that you, like the the guilt that you feel more. of, why didn't I do more? Could I have done more? Yeah. I think it's the same probably with suicide as well. You know, why didn't I see the signs and, and all of that stuff? I think that guilt is, it probably eats so many people up yeah. that what should have, could have, what, what should have been done. Right. Um, and you can't go back and change it. And that's the thing that I think we all have to realize is, it's happened now. We can't yeah. change what happened. We can beat beat ourselves up about the guilt. Um, I struggled with this big time this year on a on a completely different way because of the house. And you know, for me, <clears throat> I bought a house this past uh, April, and the only reason I was able to buy the house was because we got insurance money for Libby's passing, and um, I just. I, I struggle with that concept that I, I look at it like blood money. Like that's the reason I have it. Yeah. So, um, but there's different, all kinds of different guilt that we all feel different things. Yeah. So kind of still going with the, the problem. So the, we kind of got stuck in that first one with the, if onlys, you get stuck in the, if onlys and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and that can then, prolong your grief journey because you just get stuck in those feelings wishing things were different even though they can't be um it can honestly lead to depression and anxiety which i've seen in comments and and the people and you're right definitely the people who have dealt with with suicide and you know problems with drugs and alcohol definitely feel that deeply um 
and that's one of the biggest hurdles for people in that situation to try to deal with is the what could I have done? What should I have done? You could have done everything in the world and you always feel like you should have done more. And, and that's just and I think that goes back to what you were talking about with Libby. Like you can analyze, you can, you overanalyze everything. And yeah. you, you sit there and go, well, now I remember this moment that, you know, he did this and that should have been a sign or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And like I said, it's unfortunately it's past. You can't yeah. change it. Um, you can only beat yourself up about it or you can learn to deal with it and understand that, you know, we all have to deal with it in our own way. And, and people who struggle with abuse, you know, they have to accept that they have a problem and they have to try and get that help. And that's a hard thing for people in that situation. And as survivors, it's why didn't we do more? Yeah. So what can people do if they are, if they are feeling this way? I mean, First, it just acknowledging the feelings and admitting that you're feeling those feelings is such a huge step. And then next, I think talking about it. Um, I mean, that's why I do what I do, because so many people I just hear from like, you just saying out loud what I'm thinking in my head is so validating and it makes me feel so much better um, to know that I'm not alone and that I'm this is normal and I'm not the only one feeling this way. Um, I know it's so hard to do, but you need to try to practice self-compassion. You know, give yourself grace. Like we're just human and we're doing the best we can. And so much of grief is just doing what you can and acknowledging that you can't, you can't do everything (laughs) and that guilt is normal, but guilt years and years and years down the road can be a problem it can mean that you're stuck that you're holding yourself up so what do you do in that situation if it's a really long time i I would say if you can get professional help therapy talking it out in therapy with a professional therapist is so helpful um yeah because i think i think too you can sit here you know, like I can look at, you know, the house issue for me and I can logically say that's, that's silly to think that way. Like I get it, but it, logically it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. just, it's a silver lining from Libby's death. If, if there is any possible thing and, and that's something we talk about too, like with all of your stuff that you're doing with your book and everything else, like what good can come of this? Well, I can look at it a different way. I can look at it as here's Libby still helping me, still mm-hmm. providing for me um, in a way that I never thought she'd be able to, but she is. And, um, you know, you kind of have to maybe change your perspective on that particular thing that you're working with. But I agree with Brooke. If you're dealing with it for a long, extensive period of time, you know, Brooke and I can talk to each other about whatever it is, but at a certain point, sometimes it's better to have that third party not involved in it whatsoever. You know, you can hear somebody who's a friend or a family member saying, no, 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 it's not, it's not your fault. You can't think that way. But I think when you hear it from somebody that's outside of your friend group, maybe it'll help it sink in a little yeah. bit more that, you know, this is 
not just your friends telling you you're a good person or that you shouldn't feel that way to hear it from somebody to say, this is normal and yeah. it's part of the process and, and here's what we can do to help you try and solve it. Um, you know, I'm certainly not a professional is, <laughs> is getting there kind of thing, but um, I think it's important to talk to somebody for sure. I think that's one of the biggest things that can help somebody. Yeah. In my book, I have a whole section on guilt. I'm actually, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read a section because <laughs> I like it. I, and it's kind of, my whole book is very, I don't want to say like tough love. It's just very like blunt. Like this is how it is. You might not want to hear it, but you kind of just need to hear it. I'm like your best friend trying to tell you, okay, this is, this is what the situation is. What can we do about it? And this is what I have in my section of guilt. I'm not reading the whole thing because it's long, but just one paragraph. So the key fact though, is that a different result isn't possible, which is why guilt can be so paralyzing. Here's the realization that is needed to move past the guilt. And it's a difficult truth. All of the guilt in the world won't make a difference and beating ourselves up mentally isn't going to change that reality. I think psychologically deep down we know this, but it takes us accepting that no matter what we do, we can't go back and change things to help us keep moving on in our healing path. Our beloved person is never coming back, so there's no point in going over and over what could have been or what we could have done differently. So, yeah, I think that was, it's such a hard thing to accept that they're not coming back. We can't change it. We can't go back. And who are we hurting <laughs> by holding on to this guilt? We're hurting ourselves. Why are we doing that? Like, it can't be fixed. And the only person that we're hurting is us. So what exactly is the point of the guilt? And I think if you can get to that point where you're just like, the only person I'm hurting is me. Like, why do I want to hurt myself? I've been through enough, <laughs> like enough already. Like stop, you know, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. I think you kind of have to get to that point yeah. in order to move on. And I think that's that's a hard thing. Like, yeah, like it's said, really to, hard. To get to that point where you move on to it because some people may be holding on to that because they feel like they need to punish themselves. Oof, yeah. And, you know, regardless of what happened to your person, um, we don't need to punish ourselves whatsoever. Um, they would most likely not want us to punish ourselves. I mean, if you had a really bad relationship, I guess you could see something or try and figure that out. But I think in, in 99% of the cases, they wouldn't want us to be doing this to ourselves. And that's that's a hard concept to kind of grasp and, you know, get past that idea that, you know, beating ourselves up is is helpful in some way because it's not yeah. at all. Yeah, I think another another suggestion that I make for people who are struggling to kind of get through their guilt and come up with that, you know, realization that they're only hurting themselves. Sometimes doing things for your person or doing things for other people can be helpful um, because it makes you feel like you're doing something good in your person's honor 
So I know we do Live Like Libby for Libby and help dancers in financial need. That's something she would be proud of. You know, she, we're giving back to something that she loved. So it is, you know, it makes us feel good that we're carrying on her memory. I talk a lot about, you know, if you can donate money to a charity that, you know, is something either that your person supported or even something that you're interested in and you donate in their name or you volunteer your time with someone or you, you know, help the person behind you in a coffee shop and pay their bill or something like that. Just doing good things in the name of your person can help alleviate some of that guilt that you're feeling. Absolutely. But I mean, honestly, really, it's just sort of accepting that you can't change it. Yeah. And, and that is a hard, you know, yeah. and I have both struggled with that in different capacities of, you know, it doesn't, it really isn't going to help in any way to kind of think along those lines. And like I said, I've, I've gone through that. I've fought that back and forth. And logically I can say, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Why are you thinking that way? But it, it's hard to actually get over that hump and stop Oh my gosh, yeah. from happening. With yes. So when I say that I should definitely clarify, it is not like a aha moment where you're like, oh, like, oh I realized that I'm making a mistake and now my guilt is gone and I'm only hurting myself. No, this is like it, it doesn't work out. I mean, if that happens for you, I'm yeah. jealous and, yeah. and congratulations. <laughs> but no, it is like it's something that you have to keep telling yourself over and over again. I still like I teach people this stuff and I still have days where those thoughts creep up in my head. Oh, I wish I would have done this. I should have done that. And then it's just like, Brooke, you're an idiot. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, you know, this is ridiculous, you know, but you do, the more you practice saying to yourself, like, you can't change it. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Do something else in Libby's honor. Do something in your mom's honor, you know, with my mom, it, as silly as it is, like she had chocolate chip cookies that she was really good at baking. It's like bake my mom's chocolate chip cookies in her memory. Something that silly and little can just kind of steer. You just need to learn how to, you got to get used to steering your mind yeah. from that negativity into a more positive memory. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and again, I don't, we're still fairly early two years in so i don't you know it'd be nice to get some some comments maybe from people that are farther out uh, than us but i feel like this is never going to go away Uh, the guilt's always going to pop in i think it's just a matter of how long do i spend on it at that moment Mm -hmm. i think that's going to get quicker and quicker um as i go but uh, i I do struggle to think i'm ever going to get to not feel guilty at certain times or certain things pop up and trigger, you know, a guilt reflex or whatever else. But I'm hoping that down the road, it's, it totally sets in my head that I got to not think that way, but I I struggle to think that that's ever going to happen too. So (laughs) but I I deal with it better and quicker, I guess is my point. But yeah, it's it's like a practice. Yes. It's like building a habit. You like, you have to. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know if it would help you guys. Like I'm, I'm 
well, this is my personality anyway. I'm sarcastic and funny with myself. Like, I mean, I will tell myself I'm being an idiot. Like, it's this internal conversation. Like, bro, you're an idiot. Like, so, I do it too. like, you know, you know what the right thing is to think here. So just try to shut it down and, you know. And maybe it's just a distraction. You know, you figure out something to distract you when you get that yeah. thought process. Um, or, you know, depending on when it happens and if you can, do what Brooke suggested. Give give to a charity. Yeah. Help the person behind you in line. You know, just something to to change your outlook at that particular moment right. to do something. Making something positive rather yes. than negative. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to make sure that we get to some of our comments here. Okay. So we have Darla that said, I understand fully. So good, Darla. I mean, thank you for commenting. We're glad. That's the whole point is that we want people to understand and we want people to kind of commiserate that are in a similar situation. And Tracy said, I needed to hear this today. Tracy has another comment here that's long, so I'm going to pop it up here. Um, okay. So Tracy says, today is the anniversary of my husband passing away suddenly of a brain aneurysm. I'm so sorry, Tracy. I had our son two weeks later. Oh, he's now 19. Went to school with Grayson. Oh, okay. Grayson's our, our middle son. So, and I beat myself up that if I found him sooner, I could have saved him, even though I know I couldn't have. My son wishes he would have met his dad. I know it's different than losing a child, but wow, you two are incredible and have a huge shift. Oh, thank you so much, Tracy. And I am so sorry. Like I can't, everyone always says, I can't imagine. You can't imagine anyone else's situation. And that sounds horrible <laughs> and yeah um but focusing on the guilt you beat yourself up that you wish you would have found him sooner and you could have saved him i understand like you <laughs> you know like you wish you could have done something but you know in your head you you couldn't have really done anything but mm -hmm. you still have that feeling of like oh why didn't i find him sooner right. and that is that is so hard, but Tracy, that's, you're the perfect person for thinking, like, it, it's, you're beating yourself up. The only person you're hurting with that thought is you. It's not, it's, it's not helping anyone else. You, you couldn't have made a difference. And if you know that in your heart, then there's really no, even if you could have made a difference, you can't do anything about it now. Like, as hard as that is to, to, realize and to say out loud you can't go back it's a it's a what if situation yeah. it's the same thing we go through with libby like uh, had max picked her up one minute later we wouldn't be we wouldn't be here yeah um you know even 30 seconds later 10 seconds later you know you can look at all these things and say if i had found them just a minute sooner maybe it would have made a difference maybe it would have but it didn't, unfortunately. It's it's a horrible thing to have to deal with. But um, now it's it's not something you should continue to hammer yourself on because you can't change. No, it's that same thing. Just beating yourself up doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't accomplish anything positive anyway. Just keeps you stuck in that guilt, and it's so hard. It is. It, it is so hard. So my heart goes out to you, Tracy, because, yeah. All right, if anyone else has any comments or questions, um, 
feel free to drop them. Otherwise, we are almost at 45 minutes. So I think we are gonna wrap up pretty soon. Um, I do, while we're waiting to see if anyone else drops anything, and I am horrible at selling <laughs> myself, but um, one thing I wanted to do is point out my sweatshirt, if you can see this. So this is part of my merchandise that's on my store. I have different um, sweatshirts and t-shirts and things like that. And this is one of my favorite designs that I came up with. It's Grief Waves Surf Club. <laughs> anyway, these are, it's the same thing that we, uh, the same company that we do the Live Like Libby merchandise in. And they are the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts you could possibly ever imagine. So if you would like to wear your grief, on your sleeve, um, feel free to check that out at brookcarlock.org. Those are available. I'm just plugging it because I'm wearing it today and I like this style, so I figured I'd show it to you. Um, the other thing, my book is officially available for pre-order. I should say the ebook. The ebook is available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, so I found the easiest way to find it right now. There is a link on my website. So if you go to brookcarlock.org and then click where it says book, um, it will take you to the link on Amazon to pre-order. Um, or you can just go to Amazon. And if you type in Brooke Carlock, it pops up with my book. So that is um, kind of handy. Are you going to demonstrate? Because I tried to look it up on Audible early, earlier. No, the Audible one isn't there. And the um, the paperback isn't released until April 9th. But the ebook is up for pre-order right now it is i hope <laughs> it is there's me oh, yeah. um so right now there is an incentive this whole book publishing thing ask david i've been a nut like there is so much to it that i had no idea and the whole deal with the self-publishing and actually having your book do well is like 99 percent about getting reviews so I am just doing whatever all the books say that you're supposed to do. Um, and I wouldn't have known this if I didn't do nine million hours of research like I always do. But uh, what I'm trying to get people to do. So if you would like to help me in any sort of way and appreciate what I am doing here and want to support me, um, if you could pre-order the ebook, it is on sale for $2.99. So it's only $2.99. And then on March 28th, the ebook will be released and then you can read that. And then I am asking if people could write a review for me on Amazon um, between the time that they get the book on the 28th and then the paperback is released April 9th. So my goal, my goal, <laughs> I'm trying to sell 200 ebooks. It might be a lofty goal, I don't know, but that's my goal is to try to sell 200 ebooks and then get as many reviews as possible um, on the ebook because then the ebook reviews transfer over to the paperback reviews. Um, and yeah, then when it shows up on April 11th, the paperback will have all those reviews and supposedly that will help my book please the Amazon algorithm gods <laughs> and more people will see it. And I don't know. So yeah, at any rate, that was a very long-winded way of saying you can order the Kindle version of my book for $2.99 on Amazon currently. And it will be dropped onto your Kindle or whatever you use to read ebooks on March 28th if you are interested in doing that. 
Okay, that was long-winded. I have something else I wanted to do. Do you have anything else to talk about, quick while? No. No? Other than just to kind of recap, you know, you know, if you're struggling with any of this guilt stuff, if if you're, especially if I think if it's been a long time that you're still kind of um, beating yourself up about it, you know, like we said, think about reaching out for professional help. Um, to talk to somebody, I think that's Losing a loved one. Um, a very important part of this whole process. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, having that discussion. Uh, I'm lucky enough that you know I found someone early on that kind of helped me really set something straight in my head. And then obviously, I mean, Brooke's support has been a huge piece of it as well, and a good friend and family um, support group as well. So, but talking is always uh one of the things that i think is most helpful with grief as a whole i think it's just important to put everything out there if nothing else it just gets it off your chest so that you feel a little well, bit better are... Sorry. and it's out there did you find what you're no for? i can't find it uh what are you looking for a comment there yeah so there is a comment actually i think i know where else i can go um one of my viewers that watches a lot of my YouTube videos and comments um, also watches the live streams a lot, but couldn't watch last week and then watch the replay and then sent a, oh, I know where it is. Then sent a message in response to something that someone said, and it was just pretty profound. And I wanted to read it. It was actually a comment to, someone who had asked us a comment, if that makes sense. Um, sorry. Okay. All right, here it is. Found it. Okay, so this is for Rachel. I don't know, Rachel, if you're watching, but you had commented, um, you had asked us the question, and if you watched last week, you might remember, it was a question about wanting to know everything about uh, their son's accident and like what happened with his death. And we commented that we didn't feel like it was a good idea. And then um, this person just wrote me an amazing comment and wanted to respond back to Rachel in the hopes that this comment would help her. So this is for anyone, this is amazing advice for anyone who has that feeling of they want to dig and dig and dig and know everything that happened with their person's death. So, okay. Uh, she says, I want to add my two cents to Rachel's comment, and I truly hope she sees this from one grieving mama to another. I demanded to see and know everything. I saw my son, all of him, at the funeral home. I saw the accident photos, went to see the car at the wreckage lot, read the police reports, and then the autopsy report. I met with the medical examiner and went over every photo, every detail in an attempt to understand how in the hell this happened to my baby boy. At the time, I felt like as his mama, if he had to endure it, then it was my duty to know it all. I ignorantly thought that as a very seasoned nurse, I could handle it all because I need details to compute things. I can tell you now after 597 days, I was wrong. The brain is a fascinating thing, and despite me going through a lot of therapy and genuinely not remembering my beautiful son that way on the regular, my subconscious is, excuse me, effed. <laughs> I have CP, 
see PTSD so severely that I truly don't believe I'll ever be the same. When I think of my Ben, I think of him alive and beautiful. All the memories and the joy that was him. The gratitude I feel for having gotten to be his mama for 23 and a half amazing years. But my subconscious does what it wants, which is being that information and those images, sorry, bringing that information and those images into my mind whenever it feels like it. I have night terrors of things I wish I'd never seen, never demanded to know. You cannot unsee or unknow these things. Please, please learn from my mistakes and only look into the very basic things that your heart needs to know. Did your person pass instantly or linger? That was my burning question, and I wish so much that I would have been content with knowing only that. Sorry for such a long post, but it's maybe the most important advice that I could ever give another grieving family. Yeah, I just thought that was, I know it's not the same topic as today. I just thought that was so profound from someone who had actually gone through that experience that Rachel was asking about and has that knowledge and can pass it on. I just felt like it was worth sharing. So Because I think that's something that you and I needed to hear too, because yeah. we both initially wanted a lot of that stuff as well. And yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's exactly what would happen yes. I, I don't think i'd be able to do anything but see the last image yeah and that's not how i want to remember living yeah in any way I, I think you can tell yourself to think of the good but mm. once you see that you can't like she said you can't unsee it you can't unsee it so yeah. okay i think that is all for this week Superb. thanks for pitch hitting again since my brother bailed um next week possibly possibly question mark <laughs> supposed to be my middle son grayson um said that he would like to be on the show so we will see because he is normally we've talked about him a lot he's normally very um shove it down yeah. so we'll see I, it will be amazing if he shows up, and I really hope he does. Grayson, yep. if you're watching, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I think it would help a lot of people because I think a lot of people have teenagers and wonder how in the heck to communicate with them and what to say. And I'm, I'm hoping he can shed some light on teenagers who are not so open yeah. with their struggles. Yeah. We had someone last week that had yeah. a similar age, 17-year-old, that was not discussing you right. know everything that they were going through and feeling so so yeah we will cross our fingers that that he could do that because i feel like it would be really helpful for people so i'm hoping it'd be helpful for him yeah you know, good that's point. the other thing good point if it, if it actually allows him to feel some way to actually open up that'd be great and as always, if there are any other topics that you would like me to cover or any certain types of experts you would like to hear from, I am happy and grateful to hear your thoughts. Um, if you are here live, thank you so much for joining us. If you are catching this as the podcast or on the replay, really appreciate your support and feel free to leave a comment and or a review because it really helps. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. See you later. Sending love and hugs. We all know that grief can leave us feeling alone, unmotivated, and even hopeless. That's why I'm so proud to have partnered with HelpText to provide a full year of ongoing expert support to my subscribers. HelpText has individualized support for caregivers, people dealing with a difficult diagnosis, or grieving the loss of a loved one, pregnancy, or even a pet. 
You answer questions at sign up to get specific support just for you, including two texts per week and even extra texts on special or difficult days like birthdays or anniversaries. And the best part is if you sign up using the site linked in my description, you'll get a 10% discount off of your subscription. Thank you so much to Help Text for offering this deal to my subscribers. When life gets hard, getting support from Help Text is easy.